the Mac Observer's Mac Geek App, episode 899 from Monday, November 8th, 2021. Welcome to the Mac Observer's Mac Geek Gab, the show where you send in your tips, your questions, your cool stuff found. We take your tips and questions. We take your cool stuff found. We mash it all together into an agenda. We try to answer your questions. Sometimes we bring our own questions because the goal is for each and every one of us to learn at least five new things every single time we get together. Sponsors for this episode include a few existing sponsors and a few new sponsors. Uh, BB Edit with uh, the new BB Edit 14 from Barebones. ZocDoc, where you can sign up for free at ZocDoc.com slash MGG. Trade, where you can get your first free bag of coffee and five bucks off your bundle at DrinkTrade.com slash MGG using promo code MGG. And Wealthfront, where you can get your first 5,000 managed for free at Wealthfront.com slash MGG. We will talk more in depth about each of those shortly here. For now, here in Durham, New Hampshire, I'm Dave Hamilton. And here in Fairfield, Connecticut, this is John F. Braun. How are we? And well, that's true. And that's right. We have a very special guest, a summit of the geeks, if you will, today. Mr. Gary Rosenzweig from MacMost is joining us today. Gary, thank you so much for being on the show. Sure. It's my pleasure. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. Absolutely. We'll talk a little bit more about what you do and why you do it. Um, Mm -hmm. But uh, but we all do similar things here. So it's amazing. What was it? It was only in the last couple of months, I think, that we mentioned your stuff for the first time in the show, which just seemed preposterous that we had not mentioned any of the tips you made uh, before, because you, you'd like you help people the same way we do. It's amazing. So it's great to have you here in 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 the voice. And uh, and for those of you watching the video in in the flesh. So thanks again. Yeah. Yeah, sure. Uh, you know what, let's, let's get into the, the meat of this here. Then we'll talk a little bit more about who Gary is and, and, uh, and where else you can find him and all that good stuff. But we will start with a quick tip from, uh, from listener Jeff. Uh, we've been talking a lot about, uh, pictures and photos and all the new features there. And Jeff says, I just found something cool. I'd like to share. I did a trade in of my old MacBook pro when I bought my new one. For the trade, Apple provides an empty box and shipping label to ship the trade back to them. After boxing it up, I used my phone to my iPhone to snap a picture of the shipping label. Then I called UPS and they came and picked it up. Later, I wanted to check on the status of the shipment. I thought I would use the new live text features of iOS 15 to copy and paste the tracking number into the UPS website. On my iPhone, I opened the photo of the shipping label and attempted to highlight the tracking number. I accidentally did a long press on it instead, and delightfully to my surprise, my iPhone popped up a preview with the latest tracking information already. That's pretty cool. I like I like the the added um, the, the the added bonus of that. That's that's pretty cool. This is these are we love quick tips here, Gary, because they they are the things that are painfully obvious to us once we know them. And up until that moment uh, are generally not obvious. And when somebody sees it over your shoulder, this goes, wait, 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 how did you do that? (laughs) So, (laughs) well, yeah, the live text actually lets you do a bunch of different little smart things. Like there's if there's an address, you can go to maps. If there's a phone number, you can call it if you're doing it on your your iPhone or you can use FaceTime on your Mac. Right. So there's a, a bunch of interesting little things that it doesn't 
you don't have to do that extra step of grabbing the text, going somewhere, and then using it. It can do it right from, you know, whatever you're using to view the image in. Yeah. And, and, and it will even do that in the camera app, right? You were telling us just like without even taking a picture, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, like, uh, yeah, my first quick tip that I brought with me today is that you don't even need to take a picture to use live text. So this, of course, works on the iPhone because you've got camera and the camera app. Let's say you're walking around, driving around, and you see some some text somewhere, like it's a sign. Maybe you're shopping for houses and you see like a real estate sign or something like that. And there's a bunch of information. And in the past, even today, people will like to take pictures of signs. Take a picture of the sign, you get the phone number, you get the name, you get everything in it. You don't have to actually take a picture anymore because when you use the camera app, the little live text yellow brackets appear right there on the camera app before you uh, snap the shutter. And then underneath with the other buttons in the camera, there's a little live text button. Looks like the little brackets with some text in it. So the yellow appears and the little button appears. You tap the button and now you have all the live text options, including copy, share, and, uh, you know, other things, even like, you know, you can do share and then save to file or share and then go to messages. So you see a sign or something and you want to copy all the stuff down. Maybe it's like an agenda. Like, you know, you walk in and there's like an agenda of like what's going on in today's meeting or whatever. You can uh, just use the live text, copy the text or send the text as a message or save it as a file or, you know, call a phone number right from the camera. And you never snap the actual picture to do it, which is convenient. So you don't fill your photos app up with, you know, tons of like pictures of Sure. You know, signs and things you don't really need. Things anymore. you don't need again. Yeah. Well, it's, yeah, yeah. It, yeah it, it's I, I, I equate it to, I, I suppose, the first part of this that we saw was QR codes. Right. You know, when you yeah. point your phone at a QR code, it would respond without you having to take a picture of it. And this just takes that and goes further down the road. It is a little weird. I, I've had to change my uh, the way that I interact, especially with QR codes, because mm. It the the little like link now floats around in the yeah. image. It's a moving chase, target. You have to chase it around. Yeah. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I'm sure waiters all across the world are having a blast seeing people, you know, suddenly on their iPhones chasing the little tag yeah. around in the yeah. camera. Well, you know, maybe if they put drink menus up that way, it's a sobriety test, right? If you can't <laughs> hit the drink go. menu, then you can't order another drink. You gotta chill for maybe twenty minutes. I That's love right. it. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> now I found this out very quickly, but yeah. there is a very small subset of live text in Monterey. Uh-uh. And if you open a picture, yeah, I found an article that talked about secret hidden features and I didn't know about this. So in Monterey, if you open a picture and there's text, hover your cursor over it, it'll turn into the text bar and then you can copy the text or if you right click, it offers to uh, translate. So that's kind of interesting. Yeah, and it works in like wherever the image is brought up raw. So it'll actually work in Safari on a web page. If the image is just there, it's a regular mm. image tag. A lot of times websites are presenting images as like div backgrounds and things like that. And then it won't quite work, you know, but if it's just a standard image, like you're looking at Wikipedia or something and there's like a standard image, you can actually use live text on that image in the web page. Really? So nice. it's just not, it's just not reliable because of the way web pages are, but sure. like in the preview app or uh, in other places, I even think you could take a, a screenshot of something and then in the little floating thumbnail thing, or at least in preview, oh. if you go to preview with the screenshot, you can, you can uh, do that and grab the, um, grab the text or do something with the text. So 
you have that option too. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Right. So if, if, if the web page isn't presenting an image enough as an image for it to take it, to take it and run with it from there, you can screenshot yeah. it and run with it in the screenshot of the image that you just grabbed. Yeah. Yeah. And if you want to go even further, there's, <laughs> you know, in the shortcuts app, the shortcuts app has an action for grabbing the text out of an image. Mm. So you can actually do a shortcut where you say, get a screenshot and then grab the text from it and then copy to clipboard. And then you take your own little three-step short uh, shortcut, do a quick, you know, copy of anything on your screen. And then suddenly your clipboard has the text in it, even though it was an image that you were selecting on the screen. I like this. Yeah. Oh, and, it, yeah. and it works like it just works quick. And every time it's, it's pretty. Important. Have you built one of these shortcuts? Yeah. Yeah, sure. It's it's easy. It's just like three steps. You throw it together. Um, yeah. We're a lot with shortcuts now. So that's probably definitely one of the examples I'm going to be including. So, yeah, for sure. All right. Yeah. Well, when you, when you publish that, make sure to let us know and we'll, we'll, we'll point everybody there. That's yeah. See, right. When, when shortcuts was announced for Monterey, I mean, it wasn't a great surprise, right? Like we knew that it was going to wind mm-hmm. up coming to the Mac. It was like, okay, you know, I, I certainly use, used and still use Apple script a bunch automator. I used a little bit, but it was always a little bit clunky. Sorry, Sal. Uh, and you know, shortcuts it felt like maybe this is the right thing to, you know, because it works so well on iOS. I mean, obviously it, it was, you know, Apple acquired it because it worked so well on iOS. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. yeah it's definitely, I mean, you can, you do, and you can do Apple script and JavaScript and shell scripts in shortcuts on the Mac. Right. Which makes it so much more powerful on the Mac than it is on, you know, the iPhone or I, I forget right. just from that. That's a great quick tip in and of itself. I, I, yeah. I had completely forgotten that we could do even shell scripting in shortcuts. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh. Super powerful. Super powerful. Yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, cool. This is, this is great. <laughs> gives me something to do in my free time. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, so actually, I have, I have some more quick tips as well. Let's go. Um, what's what's your next yeah. one? Yeah. So okay, so like they they snuck a lot of stuff into Monterey. I mean, I've been telling people that Monterey really is it's all about features, just like throwing features at you. Uh, and one of the features that doesn't even really make that many lists is if you go to Preview, just like before, you can export from Preview. And one of the options when you export from Preview is a PDF. I'm talking about. Um, is you can set permissions, right? You can set a password. Well, now if you go to do that, that's all changed because they added a whole bunch of like different things that you could do with and without the password. So for instance, you set a password. Now you could say, okay, you need the password to print, to copy text, to uh, insert, um, delete or rotate pages, uh, adding annotations and signatures or filling out form fields. You can specify which ones of those you need a password for and which it, ones you don't. It lets you get that granular. That's very that un- granular. It's a un- whole list of checkboxes. That's unApple like. Yeah. <laughs> like you well, know. I think they're they're trying to probably do feature parity with like the PDF specification, right? So if like the PDF specification is like you should be able to set a password and here's the things that you could control with a password, you know, Apple's probably just catching up to like, we're now at this level of like PDF specification for what preview can do. But, you know, unless you actually, you know, you know, heard this here or whatever, you, you might not know that you had this extra functionality in, in preview. 
Interesting. So, Interesting. Yeah, it's huh. really handy. Yeah. Um, and another hidden thing that doesn't get much attention is now if you go in the Finder and you select an image file and then you look at the quick actions, you know, in a little preview or you control click and select quick actions, there's a new quick action that they snuck into Monterey called convert image. And it allows you to convert an image file to a JPEG, PNG, or HEIF, uh, and select image size, small, medium, large, or actual size, which is the same thing that you had. We've had all along in mail, you know, where you could set those. Oh, lines. right. Yeah. The, the, the little drop down when you're sending yeah. images in mail. Yeah. So now you could convert it like in the finder, just using this little quick action here. Um, you also have a checkbox for preserved metadata. So you could say, yeah, I'm going to convert this to a JPEG and strip the metadata out of it, which is important for posting online. Sure. You take a picture of your dog or something in your backyard and you post it online and suddenly anybody that downloads the image has your GPS location of your house, that kind of thing. Um, so it's a really handy thing and it works even though it converts only to JPEG, PNG and HEIF. It will actually accept images of all sorts of types like uh a Photoshop document or, you know, a, a GIF or, you know, all sorts of other things. Um, and then you can convert. So it's handy for like converting, uh, you have an HEIF or HEIC file, and then you need to upload it to a website. And the website says, I don't know what this is because right. find the times and it, you can use this little quick action in the finder to quickly make a JPEG. And while you're doing it, make it like the large size, which is 1280 pixels across by whatever up and down, you know, to shrink the file a bit, set it to JPEG, convert it, and then you have a JPEG to upload. You never had to open an app. You didn't have to buy Pixelmator or Acorn or yeah. anything. You didn't have to do it in preview. It's all just done in the Finder without an app at all. So yeah, I don't have a Monterey Mac in front of me, but I, I desperately yeah. want to test this out right now. I, I wonder if, you know, your example of needing to do it in like Safari, which, you know, uploading yeah. to a Web page is a great example because it happens to all of us all the time. I yeah. wonder if it can be done in the file dialogue itself. No, no. OK, it's 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 it's, it's similar to there's already like a rotate left. Yeah. Quick action. So that's got like, it one along with that now there's rotate left or rotate right over here which one it is and convert image is another one got it um so super just super handy um now i wonder one if of the most common questions i get asked is how to convert how to do that yeah now I, I, I clearly apple was asked that question too and now they gave us an answer <laughs> yeah. i i wonder if there is something that like maybe the the folks who make default folder could add so that we could have that right in file dialogues like you know oh i need this image right i mean like it's doable now upload, just, grab the image but don't upload this image convert it up and then upload the conversion that would be a that would be a neat thing nice yeah. little trick right of course even better would be for the websites to actually kind of update to actually use because it because it, it's a standard you know the ati yeah. standard it, it's not like it's some sort of proprietary thing um and it should be yeah, something you, that you manage a website is. You you know how how difficult it is to stay up to date with with just the stuff you need, let alone yeah, like that's true. You know, <laughs> that's true. It, it, though you know, I guess it would be added at more of the server level. You know, it, it would get into like this version of PHP and this version of Apache, and then and then WordPress would add it. You know, support for it, sure. and then you know, there's nothing for you to do. That's true. I uh, I don't actually have like an image upload thing at my site. Um, so you've avoided this problem. Spam. Right. Well, because of spam, it's it's a it's an issue. If you if you let people, you know, if you say here's you know, ask me a question and upload a screenshot, 
I don't want to see what some of the you know spam bots are actually going to be uploading. It's a fair um, point. That's I've done that with I've done that with I've had games. Uh, I had a I have a jigsaw puzzle game site, and for a while I had a thing where you could upload your own image to it um, and create your own jigsaw puzzle from a picture of your family, a nice wholesome picture of your family at Thanksgiving. Now it's a jigsaw puzzle. Except that that's not what a lot of the pictures that were uploaded were. So, um, and unfortunately, that has to be on the server in order to work, and that's just not that's not cool. To you have, don't like, you don't want to be hosting that uploading anything. Yeah, exactly. I do <laughs> not want it. So you know, it's like if you need to send me a screenshot of like a problem you're having on your Mac, use Imager or Dropbox or iCloud Photos or something. So, so do you, you have and, and and let's let's um let's. Let's talk a little bit about what you do because you've been running MacMost for a very long time. So, what, what? Tell us about your history here. Now, now that we've we've had some fun talking about geeky stuff, let's make sure people know who you who you actually are. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Well, yeah. So I started MacMost back in two thousand seven. Um, wow. Originally, I did web based games. Still have some web based games okay. out there, but that's kind of like how I got into into everything in the nineties. And uh, that kind of led into like the idea of podcasting, specifically video podcasting, uh, which became hot for like five minutes around 2006, 2007. You know, when they came out with the video iPod, remember that? I I do remember that. Yeah. yeah. So then I was like, oh, we're already doing like online games. Let's do like videos. And I tried to create like a whole network of shows about different things. And one of those shows was about Max, Mac most. And that's, all the other show, everything else quickly kind of faded back and just started focusing on Mac most as like the video show I was doing. Yeah. Um, and so I started just doing tutorials, uh, you know, every day on Mac stuff. Um, and uh, I've been doing that since 2007. I, I basically post new tutorials to my site and to YouTube. Um, just how, it's mostly how to a lot of, there's a lot of focus, uh, for other sites on like fixing things and, you know, something's broken and all of that. Sure. I focus on like how to get things done. How do you use pages to do this? How do you in the finder accomplish this task? You know, and I just keep creating the videos and I've been doing it. I'm at, I'm at a video. Let's see. Yesterday I recorded video 2,575. Wow. Um, and yeah, so just been going, going at it. And I've got, uh, you know, I just post to my site, post to YouTube. I do courses too, as kind of a support for sure. uh, the rest of it. Um, and, and yeah, I have a lot of fun. People can go to the site and ask me questions. So I have a little forum and people can ask me questions there. And sometimes those questions I'll turn into videos. Sure. And, and then um, uh, it's just, uh, I have a weekly newsletter. Uh, most people that watch, cause I publish every day. So it's hard to like every day go and check out what's new. Sure. So I publish a, f- a free newsletter every Thursday that just sums up the week. You know, here are the five new videos that I, I published. And, and then, yeah, MacMost is supported th- through Patreon. So yep. I, I actually don't have any ads at MacMost.com. Fascinating. Um, it's just cause I used to have ads Sure. and I would hate having like, ads that were counter to what I talked about. I'd say, you know, do this or whatever. And then there'd be an ad for something that was, you know. Competing with that or whatever. Yeah, Yeah. competing or or like saying the opposite. And uh, so I hated having the ads. So I got rid of it. I said, if people support me on Patreon, I won't need the ads anymore. Yeah, sure. People came out and supported me on Patreon. So I got rid of the ads. and haven't had ads since 2017. Do you have ads on your YouTube channel? Because I know you publish to YouTube YouTube as well. Yeah, so people have a choice if they view the video. So they go to macmost.com or you know through my newsletter. 
you never you'll never see an ad for Got YouTube. It. YouTube's going to make money off of my videos, whether or not I do. Yeah. <laughs> so I might as well get a cut of that. So right. I, yeah. Right. So if you want to go and view them at YouTube, you can, and, and they're, they're the regular YouTube ads. Sure. Uh, right, yeah, right. YouTube. Yeah, exactly. I'm, and I'm assuming that, that YouTube is a channel that people, that, that serves as, as like a, a, a way of, of marketing yourself, right? People yeah. find you on YouTube when they're looking for, how do I do this kind of thing? And then, Hey, here's Gary. Wait, who is this guy? Well, it's like the, yeah. it's like the second or third biggest search engine or whatever second. is YouTube. It's the yeah, second. second. So, yeah. so yeah. So a lot of times people discover me because they're looking for a, you know, how to video. Right. And they'll go right to YouTube and search for it. And that's how they'll discover Mac most. So awesome. That's great. Yeah. Ah, that's amazing, man. Uh, this is I. I mean, I knew all, you know all of this as an outsider, but it's interesting to hear you tell sort of the the origin story of of how you got to this point. It's pretty amazing that it was just well, one. You threw a lot of things at the wall, and one of them stuck. So there yeah, exactly. Were. We had all sorts of weird shows, even comedy and all sorts of stuff. But it was the Mac stuff that, and the Mac stuff. It wasn't even like a uh, like oh, you know, here's a concept for a show. It was like. You know, we all use Macs and we basically sit around all day talking about like what did Steve Jobs say and what's yeah. like the rumors and all that. It's like, why don't we record this? Yeah. <laughs> you know, why don't we just like have a show? We, it's like this would be the easiest show in the world, right? I could just yeah. write a script for this without ever even having to do any research because I already know all this stuff. You, you know it all. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of how this show started. It, it, like, like I said, it, it's you and I have known each other for a very long time, but it's yeah. it's odd that we've never like you know because we we help people in very similar ways i think which i think yeah. is great yeah it's awesome yeah any thoughts on any of this john mr braun speaking of ads um i had a dialogue pop up in front of me running monterey okay saying personalized ads and they have a spiel explaining what it is um so just to let you know you may get this popping up where uh, it happened when I ran, um, if you run news, um, for me, it popped up when I ran the stock application because I like playing with mm. stocks. And I guess every now and then they serve up ads. So um, I'll link to, uh, they have a support article explaining okay. what they're doing. Interesting. So. Huh. All right. Oh, interesting. Interesting. I, I had, I don't know that I've seen that, but I may well have seen it. I it, Are the controls for it in security and privacy john like after the fact if you want to tweak settings and things like that uh, like i said i don't have them i haven't upgraded the studio to monterey yet because settings privacy apple advertising is where it is on the iDevice. right on mac it's yeah same place security and privacy privacy apple advertising Got so it. if you want to fine-tune your uh advertising experience I like it. This is great. Excellent. Uh, cool. We have a bunch of cool stuff found to talk about. We have your questions to answer, and I want to make sure we get to all of those. The uh, The next thing that I would like to do, if it works for you, Mr. John F. Braun, is uh, talk about our first two sponsors for this episode. Fantastic. All right. Hey, do you get excited by a five-star driver rating? Let's be honest, right? Those ratings matter a lot. And when it comes to finding doctors... Ratings matter even more. ZocDoc, our sponsor, is an app 
where you compare doctors by their ratings and read reviews from real patients. You just download the free ZocDoc app, the easiest way to find a great doctor and instantly book an appointment. With ZocDoc, you search for local doctors who take your insurance. You can read those reviews I mentioned, and you can book an appointment in person or video. So whether you need a primary care physician, a dentist, etc., ZocDoc has you covered. And you do this by going to ZocDoc.com MGG and downloading the ZocDoc app to sign up for free. Every month, millions of people use ZocDoc. I've used it too. It's it's fantastic to be able to read reviews. If you, I mean, if you don't know anything about the doctor, how else are you going to know? It makes sense, right? And ZocDoc makes healthcare easy. Now is the time to prioritize your health. Again, go to ZocDoc.com slash MGG and download the ZocDoc app to sign up for free and book a top-rated doctor. Many are available as soon as today. That's Z-O-C-D-O-C dot com slash MGG. And our thanks to ZocDoc for sponsoring this episode. Next up is Wealthfront. Look, stocks, memes, rocket ships, day trading can be a lot of fun, right? But if you want to grow your long-term wealth and make it to the moon, now's the time to open up a Wealthfront investment account. Because after answering just a couple of questions, Wealthfront will build you a diversified portfolio of low-cost index funds in minutes. You can also build your own portfolio with you know clean energy funds or crypto trusts, cannabis, tech, Wealthfront even offers a socially responsible portfolio, which is a mix of funds built around human rights, climate change, sustainability, and diversity. Best of all, Wealthfront is totally automated. They do all the trading, all the rebalancing, and they even help you lower your tax bill while you invest. To start building your wealth and, this is the best part, Get your first $5,000 managed for free for life. Go to wealthfront.com slash MGG. That's W-E-A-L-T-H-F-R-O-N-T dot com slash MGG to start building your wealth today. That's wealthfront.com slash MGG and get started today. Our thanks to Wealthfront for sponsoring this episode. All right, guys, let's... uh Let's do some cool stuff found. Gary, you want to uh, you want to start us off? You were telling us about a, uh, an Apple Watch charger you had, yeah? Yeah, well, I think last week you guys talked about, you know, how <laughs> easy it is to forget to bring your Apple Watch charger with you on a trip. Yes. And actually, you know, for good reason, because what that cable is, what, 12 feet long or something that they give you, you know, Apple gives. I suppose it's because it's supposed to be in your nightstand or something, you know. And it's Sure. Yeah, no, it, right. If you're traipsing right. it from the floor, you know, plug uh, up to your night. Right. So my wife has, I think it's a three foot long Apple Watch charger. Mm-hmm. And every time we travel, I am super envious of this thing. I could go buy one. It's probably $12, but I never think to. So well, you have an answer for me, don't you? I've got, yeah, because I thought there's got to be a better way. So I did look on Amazon and um, there is like a, a Apple Watch charger with no cable at all. Like it literally is just the USB port and the, uh, oh. you know, part that you put your watch on. So and it weighs nothing. It feels like it's just empty. So it weighs nothing. It's as tiny as could be. It actually... Uh, works really well. I used it on, a, I took a red eye flight and I was able to plug it into the USB port under the TV screen in front of you. Yeah. And it actually, it's perfect. It plugs in the right way. And then you sit your watch on top of it. Um, it, the downside is that it's really hard. You know, I, I have a, like a, one of those chargers that has three ports on it or whatever. And if I plug this into it to get the watch to stay on it and all that. So it's not the kind of thing you want to use as your everyday charger. But to put in your travel stuff and yeah. have with you, you know, because you only need like a 
couple hours charged. Like you, oh, at most. If you, yeah. if you forget to plug it in at night and you get up in the morning, you could charge it while you're in the shower and you're probably good for the day. Yeah. Um, so this thing saves you. It, it's like way better. I think it was like 10 bucks. Oh, that's awesome. So, it's, so yeah. So it's definitely like easy purchase and it's in my travel bag. And that's where it lives. Yeah, just a hundred percent of the time. Yeah, exactly. Hundred yeah, percent of the time, yeah. I have the reg, you know, regular uh, cable uh, on my nightstand, and that's where my watch normally gets charged. So that was a a, a good find. <laughs> and I can't believe like, I went through earlier trips this year and I didn't have this thing. Yeah. And now it's like okay, I've got it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This problem is o- is over now. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Yeah, awesome. I, I um, I, you know, looking at that, and for those of you watching the video, you can see it. Uh, I, I, th- I, my use case thought was oh this would be perfect to plug into a battery pack that has a usb a port on it right definitely and oh yeah it works yeah and you know you like you said it doesn't take much power to to charge up the watch so you're not going to deplete your battery pack but you put that you know on the counter or whatever you plug that thing in you're good to go and then and then you're off to the races yeah i like it yep i like it it's good Great stuff. Yeah, you 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 understand what cool stuff found is here because that's <laughs> it, man. <laughs> yeah. Richard also understands. He says you want to hide the notch on the new MacBook Pros. Use this app called Top Notch. Uh, John, he says we will love it because it's free, and and it is. It's at topnotch.app, and the uh, the whole idea is that it makes your entire menu bar black so that you are not seeing the 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 cutout for the notch in the otherwise colorful menu bar. Uh, so it it um, it doesn't quite deal with some of the the idiosyncrasies that the operating system causes because of the notch. Uh, we're getting there. I'm sort of surprised that we're here a week later doing the episode and Apple still hasn't pushed an update to. Uh, address the fact that menu bar items just disappear under the notch. I won't overly rant about that, but it does seem a little odd that they let that ship. But I'm guessing bef- certainly by the end of this month, we'll see that fixed. I don't know. Have, do you have one of the new uh, MacBook Pros yet, Gary, or no? Well, I have last year's M1. Sure. Yeah. One. I, I'm waiting now. The sad thing is I bought a Mac Pro in 2019. Oh, uh, you, you can only guess what I spent on it. Well, I'll t- I'll t- it was like nine thousand dollars, right? Right. For this Mac Pro, right? And when the M1 Mac came out, I I ran some tests, and, it, and it's sad because I I think I got like my M1 is e- even it's an even a, an eight gig version, and it is uh, it's my Mac Pro is faster, but not by that much. Yeah. Like rendering video out, like I would render a video uh, as a test, and it would be like a minute and a half, and then. Uh, the M1 would be like two minutes. I'm like, oh man, that's not <laughs> that's not a nine thousand dollar like bonus there for for that. Um, even some stuff like numbers calculations are faster on the M1 than they are on my Mac Pro. I believe it. So so it's sad, but I, I guess you know hold out until they come out with a new Mac Pro. Because if I bought the new MacBook Pro, you know, with the M1 Max in it, I know that next year they will come out with a Mac Pro and that'll be like, oh now. That's what I wanted. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, that's what I really want. I need something that's under the desk. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I think I, you know, I when when they announced the M1 Max and M1 Pro based Mac MacBook Pros, my my comment then was, I really want an iMac with those because that's sort of the the thing that works for me at at my desk, both here in the studio and and down in the office. And uh, and my my hope still is that they wanted to get orders for the MacBook Pros out first 
and and with the chip shortage and everything sort of tempering the release of that iMac because you know it's ready to go it's got to be ready to go yeah it's probably uh, supply of the screen right because it's because uh, oh, yeah, if fair. they went from a 21 and a half inch to a 24 inch for the low end right yeah. so now they're going to go from 27 inch to what it's going to be like a 29 30 inch screen sure. for maybe even a 32 inch screen who knows for the yeah. And that's probably the kind of thing where they need to place an order and it's going to take six months for, you know, companies to be able to produce enough screens for. A, I, I hear I hear people are dumping containers off of cargo ships like shipping companies are dumping containers off of car, full containers off of cargo ships in the L.A. Harbor because they like they don't they need to like they, they'll make money bringing the ship somewhere else to like go get stuff. Like, this is a major problem. <laughs> it's, a weird, it's a weird time. <laughs> it's a weird time. Yeah. 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 So I guess, I guess, you know, you get some scuba gear and maybe you can go get some good stuff if you, uh, if you go take a dive. <laughs> maybe. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. You do a deep dive on Amazon, see some of the stuff that's probably in those containers and you're like, who's fair. buying this? Fair. But yeah. 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 <laughs> fair. Uh, all right. Anything on any of that, John, or shall we keep moving on here? <clears throat> moving on moving on all right mr braun's keeping us trucking here today uh adam writes in he says as you know with a custom domain most domain registrars want to charge you to set up email that's one of the reasons why icloud plus might be really attractive to a lot of folks because it is free or no cost added if you already pay for icloud and then you can use your custom domain there he says, I'm still not convinced by iCloud Plus custom domains, which seem a bit basic. So I did a little bit of digging. Fastmail and P.O. Box allow you to use a custom domain for free if you already pay for their service. And it works very well. But almost everyone else wants to charge. Rackspace, GoDaddy, Hover, Porkbun, he says, which I personally use, uh, all charge around $3 for an email account with a few gigs of storage. But there is one domain registrar that gives two free email accounts with three gigs each. And it is Gandhi.net, G-A-N-D-I.net. He says, I'm not sure how well known it is in the United States, but it's one of the larger European registrars and has a rather solid reputation. Three gigs isn't enormous, but it might be enough for many folks. Gandhi also gives free email forwarding, which is another rather rare offering. Uh, you could forward to a Gmail account for free if you were crazy enough to use Gmail in Adam's mind. Gandhi isn't the cheapest registrar, but it is not the most expensive either. Another advantage is that data would be protected by GDPR and not available to the U.S. agencies under the Cloud Act. So thanks for that. I'd never heard of Gandhi.net. Had either John and did you know about Gandhi.net for domains? Yeah, it's news to me. It's cool stuff found. I like it. Good, good stuff. Um, what do you do? Well, I mean, you you host Mac most somewhere so that you just have your email as part of that. Right. I'm actually, I'm actually using, uh, yeah, I love the whole iCloud uh, custom domain thing, except I already have like a solution I've been using for years and years and years. So I'm not kind of willing to switch. It's same. It's Google. Yeah. I know you're probably not happy about that, but <laughs> I mean, it's the Google, you know, the business level stuff, right? So not the vanilla Gmail, but it, it, they used to have, well, they still have this like Google apps thing and you could do, just mail. So I don't actually use any of their other stuff. I just have their mail servers. Right. And um, I'm grandfathered in because yeah. it's I've had it for so long that I'm yeah. not actually paying for it. Right. If you had yeah. it a long time ago, it was free forever. And now you still have it free forever. If you want it now, you got to pay. Now you got to um, pay. Yeah. But 
But the, you know, the reason I like it is that, well, number one, it, it never seems to give me any trouble, like years and years and years. And it just, my email is up before that my email would go down every once in a while, oh. you know, there'd be like a server issue. So I'm glad to have that behind me. And the other thing I like is the massive kind of spam controls that they have because Google like Apple gets so much mail in that it's easier for them to have algorithms that figure out, Hey, a million messages were just sent, you know, that are exactly the same. This is probably spam and I'll never see it. Whereas when you have your own custom server, it doesn't have that kind no. of data. So we moved, we ran our own mail server uh, up yeah. until we moved uh, Mac observer and backbeat and Mac geek and, you know, all the related domains. We moved them into the Google apps for domains back when it was okay. free. So we're, we're yeah. grandfathered as well. Um, okay. Yeah. And running your own mail server, we had an issue one Saturday afternoon where our admin team decided to update some component of something and it mm. broke everything about the rest of our mail server. And it, I, in that moment, I realized I was the only person on the planet who knew all of the moving parts that were, that assembled to make our mail server. And we probably spent about 10 hours trying to fix this problem. And we did fix it. But by about hour two, I decided, okay, we have to get this fixed because this is the fastest path to resolution here and getting mail flowing again. And I know we can. We wound up having to find like an old build of whatever that particular module was on some random Russian site somewhere. And it was like, I guess this is going to be okay to run on our servers, but who knows? And it was. But the decision I made was never again will I run my own mail server. And so we did. We moved to the Google Apps for Domains. It It's, you know, the grandfather plan is great. It's fantastic. Uh, I moved my personal mail. Uh, we had FastMail as a sponsor either earlier this year or late last year, uh, or it might have been early last year. You know, time has been malleable over the last couple of years, uh, as we all know. But anyway, I moved my sort of my personal mail uh Everything that flows to me winds up at a fast mail account and I there they have enough volume there that their spam engines are super smart, but they also are super controllable. Unlike Google's where you sort of get what you get and you don't you don't have the option of saying, no, no, I want that through, even though you're not letting that through for other people. I want that through fast mail and they have this scripting language where. You it, like it's super advanced and you could completely ruin the way your email is processed. Like you can put scripts in and rules in very early in the process of of where mail comes in there. And it like tread carefully and they tell you to. They're like, look, here, you know, with great power comes great responsibility. You can use the GUI and do it safely or have at it with with our scripting language and, and you're good to go. But, yeah, FastMail has has proven to be I really like them. Um, in terms of, uh, you know, if again, you know, if you're with Google and it's free, uh, it works really, I know Adam didn't like them, but I don't know, man, like it's FastMail is great. I, I used FastMail 20 years ago before I had my own custom server, right? It was like FastMail and I loved them. Then custom server and that didn't work out. And somehow I ended up at Google. Sure. I mean, I, I would love to try out, I probably am going to try out iCloud custom domains as a, like a test, not for my email, but just set up like a domain and see how it works and all that. But if like Google were to, you know, somehow make me angry or something over their service, you know, I haven't had any problems in years. Um, 
fast mail would probably be like my yeah. go-to. I, yes. It, as I, I very much second that recommendation. <laughs> yeah, for yeah. sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's good stuff. Good yeah, 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 yeah. All right. Uh, John, do you have any cool stuff found for us today or are we just cranking along here? Um, maybe. All right, Gary, you want to take us to your MagSafe thing and then maybe John yeah. bring us in? Yeah. So I went on a quest before a recent trip where I knew I'd be taking a lot of pictures with my uh, iPhone sure. for a, a MagSafe tripod adapter, right? Because you've got MagSafe on the current phones. Why am I still like clamping on this, the spring loaded, you know, thing to hold my iPhone in place on top of a, a tripod? I should be able to use MagSafe to do it. And I was disappointed to find there, there wasn't really the ideal product out there. Because the ideal product should be just just the MagSafe circle and then maybe like a, just a quick little joint and it hooks into a tripod. But I couldn't find that. Okay. But I really couldn't find almost anything until I noticed that there was one car adapter that is it's really meant for the car. It actually, you know, comes with this little foot that, you know, you, you would you would stick to something on your car and then this slides into that and then you've got a MagSafe like mount for your Got, got it. IPhone. So okay, yeah. For people that can't see it, it like there's this this foot that you would put on your car, yeah, that, flat thing. Yeah. The, yep. And then the 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 MagSafe disc is on an arm that has a right angle and go, then goes down into this foot. So right. meant for a, the dashboard of a car. Meant for the dashboard, but they were smart enough in the bottom of the main part to include a screw for a tripod. Oh. So you forget about all that other stuff and just take the main part of this, screw that onto the top of your tripod. It even has a little dot for, you know, some tripods have a dot at uh, one end. So it, it's oh, to align it to keep it spin. straight. Yeah, yeah, line, yeah. Keep it straight. Sure. It even has that in it. And you could mount this basically on top of your regular tripod. And now you have MagSafe on top of your tripod. So your iPhone just sticks to it with, you know, the magnet, making it so easy to remove and, and add your uh, iPhone to it. It's really cool. It wasn't that expensive. I forget how much it was. It was pretty sure. cheap. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, I would hope in the future I'd be able to get something more compact and ready for travel that didn't have this like huge arm on it. It was a much smaller arm, yeah. somehow, or much more lightweight or something. But it doesn't. It doesn't actually weigh much. It's just this kind of it's a just a little object. bulky for for what you're using it for. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But anyway, cool thing, and it's just something, you know, if you take, if you use your iPhone for photography like I do, and whether it's a big tripod or a small just desk tripod or whatever it is you're using, I mean, MagSafe's the way to go. Why be clamping one of those things to your iPhone? It doesn't make sense anymore. I like this idea of using Mag, yeah, 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 right. Like, I... I, we've talked about this on the show recently, you know, for its first year, I really sort of ignored MagSafe. I didn't see the allure of it. And now, like, now I'm where you are, where it's like, wait, I want MagSafe to do all of these things that no one's doing yet. But, but I'm here, I'm ready for it. Cash in hand, like, let's go. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good thing. I, I think the market just needs more MagSafe compatible iPhones out there for people to, you know, for inventors, because this what you're talking about is very much a, you know, let me mock this up on my 3D printer and then, you know, go to Alibaba and find a factory that it's going to make me, you know, 500 of these. And then I'm going to go sell them on Amazon. Like it's that it's definitely a small business niche kind of thing. But like the world is perfect for that these days. It's amazing. In fact, how well it goes. So, yeah. Yeah. Ah, very cool. 
All right, John, what do you have, my friend? Uh, I got something that we got at the show, Dave. At, oh, at Pepcom. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So it is called, whoops, what happened there? Don't know. <clears throat> um, it's the Lenovo Smart Clock Essential. Oh, okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, if you were one of the first people there, you got one of these. So um, it's a clock. It's an alarm clock. Okay. Um, nice big display for people that can't see very far. <laughs> or you can't see without their glasses in the middle of right, the night. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, so, yeah, it shows the day. It shows the time. Uh, it shows the weather. So that's kind of neat. Because you set it up with the Google app on your iOS device. Got it. Um yeah, the thing I like about, or, or the thing is interesting about it, you told me to explore this, and uh, I'm I'm cool with this. So, um, it's also a Google Assistant, right? Um, and the cool part about that is, let me see how hard it's going to be to integrate all my stuff with with Google versus the other things. And it was pretty easy. They have um, so I use the Smart Things Hub. Um, and they have a, during setup, they have a thing saying, oh, you want to mind meld and, you know, uh, download the, the smart things profile. And I'm like, yep. And it's like, okay, here you go. Populated the screen with the exact same entries that I see in smart things app. And, you know, I, I was the, the, the way to control it is, is the way I'm pretty used to it anyways. Yeah. Um, you know, turn the light on, turn the light off, set the brightness, set the color, um, so that's nice. Um, it has also um, a switch if you want to turn off the mic. You don't want it listening to you. Uh, it has a USB-A port so you can charge some of your stuff. And it has a little nightlight. That's so handy. You don't go crashing into things. Uh, I like that. Eh, that's pretty good. Huh. Yeah. So, um, so yeah. Check yours out. Yeah, I know. I have I, one. I haven't. I haven't. We, we, we have some Sonos devices, which you can choose your smart assistant. So you can choose, you know, the Amazon A-Lady or Google with it. And a couple of them I have turned to Google. So in our kitchen, we can talk to Siri, Amazon's A-Lady or Google. Uh, and it's been fascinating experiencing how they each respond. You're right. The smart home stuff is largely trivial. You, you just, you know, set it up. And, and even if you have to add a couple of different uh, providers to it, right? Like it's still all right there. It's, it, it's, and, and then, like you said, you interact with it the same way where it really gets interesting is asking them questions like research questions. And mm -hmm. for me, Google like far and away wins that battle. Siri almost always tells me you should look that up on the web. And it's like, cool. But I asked you with my voice, um, the Amazon thing's gotten better over the years, but you know, Google's a search company, right? Like they get this stuff and they also understand that if you ask something with your voice, you want the answer back with a voice. Um, so mm -hmm. yeah, that's pretty good. Can you, I have a question for you about this Lenovo thing, John, can you set the alarm on it with your voice. Like, can you say, you know, whatever, uh, Google, you know, set me a, a seven thirty alarm tomorrow morning. I would, uh, I haven't tried it, okay. but I would be almost certain. Sure. Cause you can do that with Siri too. And then the other thing that I want you to try is when the alarm's going off, ask it, Google snooze or stop my alarm, because I guarantee you Google may or may not do that. And I'm curious if this thing does it, mm -hmm. uh, 
the Amazon A lady, absolutely. The only way you interact with it is with your voice. So you have to be able to tell it to stop making its noise with your voice. If you you can set an alarm on your iPhone by telling Siri's, you know, set an alarm for 730 tomorrow morning. When that alarm starts going off, you can yell all you want at your phone and it will not answer you while the alarm's going off. So you can set an alarm with your voice, but you cannot snooze an alarm with your voice. And it seems crazy to me because it's completely capable when it's playing a song. You know, I can have the music cranking in my car. And if I say, you know, Siri, do something, it answers me. So why can't it do that while it has an alarm? Just, yeah. These are the questions. Oh, and another feature is that if the, the top is touch sensitive, so that's your snooze traditional snooze sure. button. That makes sense. Yeah, of course. Of course. Which, 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 which yeah, that's great. That's great. I don't know. And it's not too expensive. I saw it online for like 30 bucks or something. So it's, it's about the same price as your other, you know, that's pretty good. Yeah. And, and it's, is it, is it, it, well, I assume it's a speaker too, right? Is it a Bluetooth speaker? So you could play music from your phone through it if you so chose. Um, I, I'll, I'll have to see. Yeah. Enjoy music. I, I mean, if it's Bluetooth and all of that, yeah, well, you can definitely play stuff through it. Yeah. 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 That's cool. Fun. I like it. I like little things like this. It's good. Uh, all right. We have your questions to answer, and we definitely want to get to those. The next thing that I would love to do, if it's okay with you two gentlemen, is uh, is talk about our next two sponsors. Okay. All right. Hey, you know, we get almost everything delivered to us these days. So why should your coffee be any different? Let Trade bring the best coffee right to your door because Trade's goal is to make every cup of coffee your best ever. The journey to your perfect cup starts with taking their coffee quiz. I did this with Lisa. You folks know caffeine and me, we don't mix, but everybody in my house loves coffee. John loves coffee. So We've got a lot to work with here, right? If you use a French press, great. Automatic drip, great. You're a cold brew person, great. You got a super automatic machine, great. No problem. Your answers will allow trade to pair you with the perfect coffee to fit your taste. It's really cool the way it all works. Trade guarantees that you'll love your first match. On the off chance that you don't, they'll replace it with a different bag for free. And the way it works is trade partners with over 55 small U.S.-based roasters. We got some coffee because we're here in New Hampshire. We got some coffee from a company in Salem, Mass. The one we got is Kenya Ichamama. Jammy black currant sweetness and a zing of fresh lime acidity are complemented by just a hint of savory tomato notes on the finish. That sounds delicious. It makes me want coffee. But you know I shouldn't have coffee, so I'm going to leave it for my wife and the family. For you, because you're a Mac Geekab listener, right now Trade is offering your first bag free and $5 off your bundle at checkout. To get yours, go to drinktrade.com slash MGG and use promo code MGG. Take the quiz to start your journey to that perfect cup. That's drinktrade.com slash MGG, promo code MGG for your first bag for free and $5 off your bundle. Enjoy, and our thanks to Trade for sponsoring this episode. Next up is BB Edit 14. Look, this brings a horde of new features, changes, improvements with new significantly deep capabilities for developers and data scientists especially. But it also offers lots of features for anyone who works with text. That means you want to count the words in a document? Great. You want to compare two documents? Great. It can do that. They've even got terminal commands so that you can invoke BB Edit from the terminal. You know when you're at the terminal editing text files? That, that's kind of a drag, right? Wouldn't it be better to be at the terminal and want to edit a text file and type bbedit space, the name of the text file, and then it opens up literally in bbedit. Like, you know, 
the BB edit you know and love. And if you don't know and love it, you go to barebones.com and you download your 30 day free trial. After 30 days, most of the features, including that one, continue to work. You got to check this out. They've got built in support for all new languages, R, Go, Rust, Tomo, Arduino, Pixar's uh, USDA, Lisp. They have a repeat last command command, which is <laughs> super convenient. I wind up using it all the time. Check it out. Go to barebones.com and download your 30-day trial today. You're going to love it. Our thanks to Barebones and BB Edit for sponsoring this episode. All right, let's do some of these questions, shall we? John, you want to take us to Todd's uh, question about network utility? Yes. Cool. So um, Todd says that uh, I often end up helping family members and coworkers with their Macs. It was always very helpful to be able to run the network utility app to see if packets were running across their Ethernet and Wi-Fi connection. I know you covered this a ways back, but I can't believe nobody has elegantly replaced this handy utility. I have copied the old Apple network utility app to other machines, but sometimes I get an error. Um, so, yeah, that's one solution is go back a couple of um, and, and this works for me. But then he gave me some bad news. Uh, doesn't work on the M1. So. I got a suggestion, Dave. Yes, um, sir. Uh, but it's an iOS. But it's, uh, I, I don't know when I stumbled across this, but it's uh, he, uh, uh, Helium Electric? Hurricane Electric. Or H- hurric- yeah. Hurricane Electric. So they make something called HE.net Network Tools. Um, the thing is, it's only on iOS and Android. But it's basically a GUI to, you know, ping and uh, uh, probably more stuff. Like you can run iPerf from it. Uh, which I think is kind of neat. So if you want to benchmark your connection. Yeah. So the good news is that because it runs on the Apple Silicon chip that is in your iPhone and iPad, I was thinking that it runs on, I tested it uh, and it runs fine. They allow it to run on uh, in iPad mode on the M1. Yeah. All of those apps can run on the M1. If the developer doesn't check the box, when they publish to say, don't let this download on the Mac, like Facebook, for example, has has made it so that their app no longer runs on the Mac. I still have a version on one of my on my my M1 Air of the Facebook app that runs, but it's like a year old at this point because I think they flipped that switch in January or February or something. But yeah, this HE, the Hurricane Electric tools, it works great on on my M1 Macs. Uh, no Excellent. problem at all. Yep. Yep. So on older Macs. On Intel Max, I should say, you can copy the old network utility over and it'll run fine uh, with the newer Macs, with the M1 base Macs or Apple Silicon base Macs, I guess is the right way for us to say that so that we be sure to cover whatever might come next. Uh, the uh, the Hurricane Electric tools. Do you have another answer for us, Gary, on this? Do you know of anything else? No, I mean, of course, you could do command line. Of course. Um Things, you know, if you need to. I miss uh, network utility was handy. The other thing is, is a lot of the things that it used to do, um, you could just do when, like, there are various utility websites. You know, if you need to do a quick trace route or something, like, you know, a lot of times you can you can search quickly and come up with some site. Sure. Usually from, like, a routing company, you know, a hardware company or networking company that, you know, familiar names. And you could do a quick, like, IP check uh, or trace route or uh, various other things. So it's not like it's totally unavailable to you, but it was so convenient to have it in, in that network utility app. Yeah. I'm surprised that no one has 
like specifically targeted Mac users with a yeah. an app to replace this. I mean, it's I, I know we're a, we're a bunch of nerds here or 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 nerds in training, and and all of those things are fine, but. Like we all want this. This is this is a common refrain from the audience here. So, right, and, and yeah. even a tool that's better. I mean, because before yeah. I could see a company saying, "Well, we can make this plus some things, but nobody's going to use it because there's a free, you know, network utility comes with the system." Now it doesn't come with the system. So now's right. your chance to come out with like an app called Network Utility, put it in the App Store, and you even make it look like the old app. Apple won't care because they're not making it anymore. Yep, and you know, charge. Charge uh, you know five ten bucks for it or whatever, and yeah. you get a bunch of bunch of people paying for it. Make a bunch of money. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. it's a good it's a good thing. Hey, you're a developer, Gary. You you've, you've written some things. <laughs> I mostly do games. I mostly oh, yeah. do games, and but I have thought about yeah the fact that you know I it would be neat to develop like a, a Swiss Army knife tool that just like I just kept throwing things at. Oh, you want a clipboard manager? I'll add that. You want like a toolbar toolbar uh, thing? You know for the for the notch, I'll throw that in. Just throw a bunch of stuff into a yeah. utility. But hey, you know, I only have uh, unfortunately twenty four hours a day, and I sleep so, for part of it. So why what this sleep thing? I don't understand when people talk about it. So I have a request for you, or really for anyone listening. And if an app like this exists, please, please let us know. Feedback at macgeekab.com because that we would love to know about this. Um, right, John. Feedback at MacGab.com. It's feedback at MacGab.com. That's correct. Okay. Uh, what I want is, you know, when your Mac freezes and you have, if all you're doing is using your Mac to solve the problem, your only recourse is hold the power button in for 10 seconds, you know, let it power down completely, you know, just out of the blue, no, no grace whatsoever with this process and then turn it back on that. We've all been there. That that happens. However, if you've already turned on the ability to SSH into your Mac, you can SSH in and is, issue a sudo space shutdown space dash R space now. And I'll put this command in the uh, in the show notes because it's super, super valuable. Uh, and you can do this from your iPhone if you run something like prompt. Right. Which is an SSH client uh, for the iPhone uh, and iPad. And. And, and it, you know, it can, it, it's not the most gracious shutdown, but it's way better than just effectively yanking power from the motherboard. And uh, what I would love so that people don't have to remember this command, obviously it's burned into my memory. You can tell how many times I've had to do this, but it, even for, for me knowing the command to type, it's still a cumbersome process. I have to launch prompt. I have to log in and then I have to painstakingly on my iPhone keyboard, tap out this, you know, this, this command and make sure I don't fat finger it because otherwise, you know, it, I, it's not going to work. And then I have to type it all over again. I would love an iPhone app. That's just called, you know, restart remote Mac or restart local Mac or what? I don't care what anybody calls it. You could call it, you know, uh, Gary's best utility ever. As long as it does this, this is what I would love. <laughs> and I realize I could probably sort out. I've never, I mean, I've built a hello world app in Xcode or whatever, but I've never like really dug in. I could probably make it for myself, but like you pointed out, a, it's not in my, like I, the, the coding that I do every day is not that it's mostly web stuff with PHP. So it would, it would be, it would be a, 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 a learning journey to get there. Not a bad learning journey, but you know, that free time I do, I do require sleep. It turns out. So, you know, 
would be tough. That is a great tip though about being able to sometimes log into your Mac even if it's frozen. I've done that with screen sharing, believe it or not. Or uh, yeah, screen sharing where I've had one account and the Mac is frozen. And I've been like, oh no, uh, let me get on my, my other Mac. And I've been able to log into the other account and be live screen sharing. Even though the Mac seems frozen to its own keyboard and trackpad and screen, I'm actually using the other account and I could like maybe quit some apps gracefully and all that stuff and then shut down the Mac through that. And so not even the terminal command, but actually like through the GUI. Amazing. Do it. So it's kind of, it's a neat trick to be able to do that. Sometimes a completely frozen Mac isn't as frozen as you think. Rarely is it as frozen as you think. I I would say probably uh, certainly nine times out of 10, but you know, maybe even 95 out of a hundred times that my Mac appears frozen. If I just grab my phone, I can, I can issue that command and it restarts and you know, then all is well. And I feel better about it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's definitely a better way to to do it than actually using a power button. Right. 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 So I don't know. Um, While we're at this, a, a tip that came up the other day because my daughter's iPhone appeared to be frozen and it was not entirely frozen, but uh, you know, she couldn't interact with it the way she wanted. She couldn't get it into the uh, mode where she could restart it the way she knew to restart it. And I had to relook up how to restart a frozen iPhone. And it's one of these things that I'm really trying to commit to memory because there will be moments where I can't look it up if my iPhone is my only device. Uh, And it is with a, you know, with iPhones that don't have a home button, the trick is press volume up quickly and release, press volume down quickly and release, and then hold the button on the other side, whatever we're supposed to call that button, hold it in until you either see something on the screen that you can interact with or the Apple logo comes up because you've restarted the phone successfully. So it's volume up, volume down, hold the button on the other side. So quick press on the first two and a long hold on the other one. So I'm saying it multiple times for my benefit um, and hopefully for yours. So there you go. Have you had to have you had found yourself in that scenario, Gary? Oh, sure. Yeah. And it's frustrating, too, because it is hard to to look that up. And um, I've even had family members that have, you know, sometimes they try to fix things on their own. They, they'll call Apple support because they'll be like, we don't want to rely on you for every little thing. Right. And they'll be like, oh, and I talked to them and it took all this time. And this is what we eventually did. I was like, oh, I could have told you that in like three seconds. But um, <laughs> it's uh, yeah. it, it is interesting that it does take a while to get there. Sometimes the simple restart. Yeah. Of the iPhone. Yeah. 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 The first time it happened to me, I was on this. It was amazing. It was uh, must have been 2019. I was at podcast movement and the day before NASA brought us on a tour of Kennedy space center. Uh, it was maybe 20 of us. It was, and it was amazing. And we got to the first stop on our tour where I would have loved to have taken some pictures and stuff with my phone. And my phone went into this like super, it was like, I could tell there was some runaway process cause it was hot to the touch. And I'm like, yeah. I have all day. I have this amazing thing that I'm going to experience and I cannot remember how to restart my phone. <laughs> but I, then I went, so I went into this building, we got back on the bus and I remembered, Oh wait, my, my iPad has a, has a data chip in it, you know, a, a, a SIM in it or whatever. And so I looked it up quick and I was like, right, 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 right. And okay. No, everything is good. You know, <laughs> we could have used your iPad to take pictures. I could have, I could have. Yeah. I almost it is, did. I love, I love, I always get a smile. <laughs> 
whenever I'm somewhere, you know, touring something on a, on vacation. And if you look around, if there's people taking pictures, a lot of people taking pictures of something. You look around, you'll find a couple of people with iPads doing it. But you know what? I, I don't I don't think it's that bad of an idea to actually take pictures with your iPad because of the screen. Because if you're if your vision isn't great, you know, if you need reading glasses or whatever, I mean, the iPad screen is amazing for actually framing your picture and like seeing what it is that you're taking a picture of. So when I first saw people doing this, I was like, oh, that's ridiculous. It's, you know, that's not the right way to take pictures. And then I forced myself to try it a few times because it became a thing. Sure. And I said, you know what? There, it, I'm not going to do it. I'm still going to use my iPhone for it. But there is a bit of an advantage to using a big iPad screen to take a picture if you're into image composition and and framing and all of that. Yeah, I, yeah. I, uh, it's just funny because when people started using that, other people were like, "That's not how you're supposed to use an iPad." And it's like, yeah. "Sure, it's got a camera it in is. it." <clears throat> yeah, I mean, the camera may not be as good as the iPhone camera. I suspect it's not, but no. It's no, but it's gotten way better over the years, right? Like, you know, mm-hmm. the even it, well, let's look. I mean, I, I don't even know what the camera is in my my new iPad Mini because I didn't care when I bought it. But um, <laughs> it's a twelve megapixel camera with a five x digital zoom, so you know, no optical zoom on it. But like, that's a mm-hmm. that's a fully capable camera, more than mm-hmm. what we need for ninety five percent of the things that we do. I think yep. so. Yeah. All right. We have a question from listener John that certainly has been plaguing me. And I think anyone or lots of people, we might have some answers here. John says, since moving to Monterey, my Apple mail has not loaded any images at the top of every message. I see a a note, a, a bar that says your network preferences prevent content from loading privately with a button that says load content directly. He says, of course, I can choose to click this button, but it's there on every other message. I've gone to network settings and I don't see anything that looks like something to load images. Please help. I'm sure I'm not the only one suffering from this. No, you are not the only one suffering from this. This is have either of you experienced this, Gary or John? Sure. Oh, yeah. I can recreate it. I can recreate it very easily. Yes. Okay. Not exactly. But I have a suggestion on where to look to fix it. Okay, yeah, go with yeah. There's a lot of different places that we're going to be able to go to to address this. But there's something at the core of it all, I think. Um, but okay. but yeah, where would you go to fix it, John? Um, I think it may be a random bit flip. Bit flip. So if you go into mail, yep. preferences, viewing. There's a little checkbox. Load remote content in messages. Make sure that's checked. Well, so that's not there in Monterey, right? Are you looking oh, at a not. Monterey machine? Okay. No, no, I'm looking at, uh, I haven't upgraded this machine. Yeah. So this is a okay, Monterey so specific problem. Not there. Yeah. Uh, right. Yeah. Which, which is the first place I went to look. It was like, cause that's been there in the past gone. So hmm. Gary, do you have a thought on this? Yeah. So there's, okay. So there's, there are two or three settings that affect this. And in mail in Monterey, there's a setting of uh, trying to remember what the exact. I, I've got it in front of me, so I'll, I'll share it and then I'll, yeah. I'll throw it back to you. It's it's preferences, privacy, and it, which is a new pane in Monterey. And there are three checkboxes there. One is protect mail activity. 
And if that's checked, then hide IP address is automatically checked, but block all content, which is the third one, is not checked. Mm. And then you can, of course, manipulate the checkboxes to choose which, if if any of these right. you want. So, yes. And the, and the third part of that is in system preferences, having private relay turned on or off. Correct. Now, here's the thing. Normally, you could set these however you want, and you should see your images fine in mail. The element that has to be added in for this to break is if your network is somehow a little bit different. So I've seen this in people that are using a VPN. I've seen this in people not using a VPN, but a privacy tool, right? So it's not strictly VPN, but it's try, like signed up trying to block tracking and image tracking and stuff like that. And I've seen it personally. The reason I have it is because my network is a bit unusual. I've got a Wi-Fi network separate from my internet connection. In other words, I've got my my DSL modem. It has Wi-Fi. I've turned that off, and I've simply connected by Ethernet from my internet you know, service provider to my own Wi-Fi network. So it's basically doing a double jump. Sure. And and my Wi-Fi network is providing some protection. There's a, there's a separate like layer it needs to jump. And I think... In every case that I've seen, it's either a hardware thing like mine or a software thing like a privacy protection or VPN. Yeah. You add that in, and I think the way some email messages use their images, they're using a, I'm guessing, a content delivery network, you know, so where the image is actually being delivered by like one of these big like server farm type yeah. of things. Yeah. Right? yeah. And like a YouTube email, for instance, I see this instantly in my YouTube emails. There's little YouTube graphics. Oh, you have a comment on this video and it's got like a YouTube graphic and maybe a little icon of the, of the, of the video. That's of course being delivered by a big network for Google that is serving up images and all that stuff turned on. And it's basically saying, I, I cannot get this image. So you have to turn all that stuff off basically in or or click the button that, that bypasses it for that yeah, one just message click the button. yeah yeah exactly but that's really annoying if you've got 10 email it's messages annoying. yeah and if your idea is i want the privacy you know i want yes protect email activity hide my ip address i want that but if i turn it on now i can't see the images yeah and it's basically by you saying i don't want to give away you know my my ip address the email server on the other end says I, but i don't know where to send this image I'm not a network expert, but it seems like it's something to do with that. It, so yeah, you, I've I've found this on both of my computers that that are running Monterey, and it for me it very much is dependent on whether or not I have a VPN installed on my Mac, um, because all of these things should be able to, can happen, mm-hmm. like the things that I want to happen can happen when you know all in concert with each other you can have all these protections and you know private relay turned on and the the hide ip address in in mail turned on which is just another way of using private relay for for folks that don't uh, understand that uh at least according to apple but uh with a vpn there or like you said something that's getting in the way uh, and filtering network traffic in its own way that's the moment where apple says like you said there's something different about your network either internally on your Mac or in your case, externally, you've got some double NAT thing going on. It says, I I can't help. So I'm not going to. Yeah. 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 And, and I, the way I've solved it on mine, because I had ExpressVPN installed on my laptop and, and was getting this is I had to go into uh, network preferences and 
uh, or do I had to go through and run ExpressVPN's uninstaller and then that freed it up and everything was fine. But I thought, well, this is ridiculous. So let me reinstall ExpressVPN and see if, you know, a reinstall inside of Monterey creates maybe a better path for this. You know, I don't know. And I did that and everything worked. And then I turned on ExpressVPN. And at that point, you get a message that says, we're not going to protect you anymore because you're using this other thing to protect you. But you're good to go. And the images would load. And then I turned off ExpressVPN. And until I rebooted, I was back to getting these messages if I had these settings turned on. Yeah, so they're... Like it, it's clearly not intended to work exactly this way, but they haven't created enough of the, uh, we'll call it workarounds or or use case uh, adaptations, to, right? To to know, oh, okay, well, yeah, we were in this scenario, but now we're back here, and this knot has been untied. So yes, we can allow the images to load through private relay, and it's all good. So. I, I I think this is one of those things that, you know, Monterey point one will hopefully address because it doesn't yeah. it doesn't feel like a necessary thing. But I understand once I started digging into it, it was like, ah, I understand why we're here. I don't like that we're here. We shouldn't be here. <laughs> but, you know, this should have been addressed over the summer. I don't know why I didn't notice it over the summer, though, on my laptop running Monterey. So that's another like this feels like something that didn't come up during the beta at all. Well, I think private relay for a lot of the beta wasn't really active. Not as active they, as we thought it was. Yeah, because they, I mean, they have to have a huge number of servers to support it. And I think basically during the, uh, a lot of the beta, you had the switch, you could turn it on and it was just like, I'm not doing anything now. You, The traffic's just going straight through. No, it wasn't going, we tested it. I mean, I didn't mm-hmm. test it every single time I turned it on, but you know, I certainly tested it on, on beta one on iOS, uh, you know, back in June or whatever. And it definitely was going through Cloudflare as the, uh, you know, the egress server. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So it was, it was there, but I don't know, whatever's happening now is, yeah. new as of the end of the beta or you know the release so yeah one other thing about that um if i go to wi-fi i see a setting for turning on private relay if i go to ethernet i have no ability to turn on private relay why is that That's i know you're not you didn't make this decision at apple well, but well here's the thing is so i private relay at at my office still does not work like it does not hide my ip address Probably because of the double NAT. Yeah. And the fact I have a static IP address. That shouldn't matter. And I know it shouldn't, right? And if I use a v- <laughs> if I use a VPN, yeah. if I if I turn on a VPN and I could I could totally mask, you know, so but it is never the during the beta and any you know, right now with the live version of Monterey, it's simply if I go to like what is my IP address dot com or yeah. know, one of those sites, it knows what my IP it address knows. is. <laughs> It's like it's not hiding anything. If I go, if I you know go through my phone, or I, I happen to be somewhere else, and I uh, I'll check out my IP address, I'll turn on private relay, and it's clearly working. Um, but it just doesn't, you know. I think the same thing that's preventing this little thing in uh, email from not working, it's also preventing private relay from hiding my IP address. Yeah. With my kind of unique setup, and uh, and I mean that's okay. I mean mo- I have a static IP address for certain security things for sure getting to servers. So I actually don't want, (laughs) I don't want it. You know, it's like, I want this to be a static IP address, but, um, 
But yeah, it's 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 clearly not as robust. And Apple says, and it's said over and over again, this is not a full VPN thing, right? There's a right. ton of stuff. You know, VPN, you can go and say, I'm in Germany because I want to watch a German TV show. It's only available, you know. No, no, no. I, That's not what say, this is hey, for. Yeah, I right. want to test, see what my website looks like in New Zealand, right? So I'm going to you can't do all these VPN things um, with Private Relay. It's a very simple service. And, it, it, you know, it's a great thing for when traveling to turn that on and know that, you know, you've it, got this extra layer of protection. It's simple, but there's one way in which it's it's more complex and more secure, or more private, I should say, than a VPN. And that's the, the double layered of the, the double layer of the server th- setup, right? Because with a VPN, we connect to the VPN server and then that same VPN server is our proxy essentially to the rest of the world. It, it, you know, it's the one that's doing all the requests for us. So if that one server were to be compromised, someone could see, okay, you know, it's Dave at this IP address and, or it's someone at this IP address that we can triangulate to Durham, New Hampshire, uh, requesting something from whatever amazon.com or wherever it might be that I'm, I'm choosing to go through my VPN or Netflix or whatever, you know, with Apple's private relay, your request is encrypted by you uh, using a public key, not from Apple's server, but from the outbound server. And there are it, it's broken into two. Right. So you connect to Apple. Apple then takes your encrypted package of your request and hands that to what they're calling their egress servers. When I tested it, it was Cloudflare, although I'm sure they're partnering with lots of different companies to mm-hmm. you know to be those servers. And then that egress server is the thing that has the key to decrypt your request. It goes and makes the request for you, packages it back up, hands it back through Apple encrypted. Apple sends it to you. So they have no idea who you are and Apple has no idea what you've gone and requested. So there is this you can you can compromise our servers all you want. You're still not going to get anything valuable. Right. You know, so it's kind of like the Tor network with one less hop. And and a whole lot more speed, I, I you know, is how I'm looking at the, you know, yeah, the way private relay. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So it's fun, John. We have another. I, I know we're past our normal uh, seventy five or so minutes here, but do you have another question you want to you want to take us to before we before we pull the ripcord on this episode? Um. Yeah, let me let me jump around a bit here because okay. yeah, jump around. Kind of, of course, of myself that I've yeah. solved this one. Yeah. Um. Here we go. So I want to do Paul. Okay. Great. Uh, because there's something new also. So I wonder if you can help with the question I have about macOS Monterey. I just did a fresh install on a new 16-inch MacBook Pro, and after spending a couple of days settling myself in, my enjoyment of my new Mac is being marred. By some some of the system animations, specifically the lurching in your face motion of, for example, the bin trash pop-up window, as well as other animations. I've gone into accessibility and have selected the reduce motion checkbox, but evidently it doesn't apply to this really annoying brash. Look at me, aren't I fancy braggart of an Oso brazen window animation? Wow. Um and then he talks about back in the day he had a little utility called Lion Tweaks, which pretty much stopped all this nonsense. Mm. So I was like, hmm, how can I solve this? So one, it's weird because on my machine, on my MacBook, it doesn't do this. I don't know if it's because it's on the discrete chip set versus the, uh... but anyways, I was like, hmm, you know where I'd look for a solution to this, Dave? I'd look to Onyx 
I got kind of nervous because I'm like, uh, do they have Onyx from Monterey yet? And the good news, good news is, yes, they do. I think it's like as of yesterday. Uh, so we're oh, recording wow. this on Friday the 5th. I think it came out this week. I, I didn't oh, see sweet. a press release about it, but I, we had a listener write in Thursday morning saying, I can't, you know, I, I need Mac OS or I need Onyx for Monterey. And I had just gone and looked and it was like, oh, wait, and it's there. Like it's, it's problem solved. Your wish is yes. answered. Yeah. So Onyx parameters, misc options. There's a little checkbox show graphic effects when opening a window. I think that'll help. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. That'll do it. Yeah. There's probably a terminal command to do this too, but Onyx mm-hmm. makes it so that we don't have to memorize those terminal commands or even have them mm-hmm. logged anywhere. That's awesome. That's awesome. Did that work for him? Had you, have you heard back? Uh, no. Okay. All right. I'm sure it, I'm sure it would. Yeah. Have you run into this before, Gary? Have you solved it in a different I, way? I'm not sure what animation this is because I mean, when yeah, when I open trash, the window pops open. Right. Um, I mean, I remember a long time ago, right? You'd have like, I don't know if it was a minimized window. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it would come back up and all that. But I mean, certainly for opening trash or other things like that, I don't really see. Um, I mean, there's the like downloads folder, you know, has the little stack that pops up from it. Right. Uh, but I mean, you could always change that to, you know, if you change it to list, then it, it appears as a list, you know, so you don't need to do the little stack spring. thing. Yeah. The spring thing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I'm not yeah, sure yeah. what it is. I mean, I don't really, yeah, maybe it's, maybe it's using a different graphics chipset and I'm just not seeing that here on my Mac pro or my M one. Yep. <laughs> yep. But yeah. Yeah. I, I think the I think there's a lot less going on now in terms of these little, you know, annoying graphic things than there used to be. There's still some, you know, you still can't, you know, use mission control uh, and you go to your next screen and it, you know, does the whole slide over. Yeah. And it would be great to be able to have it, you know, for some people, I, I like it because it gives you a visual like you get this feeling that I've moved over. You've moved. You know? Right. Sure. Yeah. And it's quick. It's really quick now. But yeah, I understand some people's need for having it just switch like instantly. Yeah. Um, so, you know, but I, it's a lot better than how it was, say, 10 years ago. Yeah. Right. Yeah. We had way too much of the the let's make this feel like we're, you're in the physical world thing happening. Mm. Yeah. But, you know. I'm with you on on that. And even back then, it was annoying. I found it annoying at times, but it's also super informative. I mean, if we think about, you know, the there there is what what I'll call common knowledge. Right. And it's I, I you know, it's probably the wrong term. But when we started using these things nothing in the world reacted this way, right? So th- when you used it on a computer, it was n- potentially new for lots and lots of people. So having all of that stuff that that sort of related to something you already understood may have made it easier to get people here. But now that literally everything's got a touchscreen and like, you know, it's pretty common to use this stuff. Your phone or your computer isn't the only place that you're seeing this. So maybe that's why we can get away or Apple can get away. I say we like I make any of these decisions, but, you know, like, like but we as a people can get away with not 
including as much of that stuff to make us comfortable understanding what this thing in front of us is trying to tell us it's doing. I don't know. That's, you know, I still have a vision of some of the early Macs, black and white Macs. And when you, I think when you double clicked out a folder, it would, you know, kind of. Yeah. Yeah. And it was like, okay, that's nice. Um, Not (laughs) necessary. Not necessary. The the one gesture that I always like, I don't know if it's still in there was if you got your password wrong, it it shakes back and forth. And yeah. it was like, oh, I know what that means. Yeah. <laughs> it means no. Now, now your, uh, your um, emoji. Yes. Will actually look frustrated. We'll go like this. Yeah. On the, you know, <laughs> yeah, squinch yeah. the eyes and like, like look frustrated when you type mm-hmm. your password wrong, which yeah. is really, it's really cool. <laughs> I got to put a me. I, I still have yet to put a emoji as my, you know, as my avatar inside Mac OS, I, I need to do that so that when I screw things up, I can at least enjoy those, those, uh, you know, <laughs> yeah. so, yeah. All right. All right. Well, I think we've, we've, uh, we've borrowed enough of everyone's time. Thank you folks for spending all of your time with us. Gary, thank you for spending your time with us. This has been fantastic. It's good stuff. It's good yeah, stuff. Thank you. Yeah, thank you of much. course. Of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Folks, uh, make sure you check out our sponsors, of course, ZocDoc.com slash MGG, Wealthfront.com slash MGG, DrinkTrade.com slash MGG, and BareBones.com for BB Edit. John, where can they find us? Um, hmm. MacGeekUp.com? That'll work. That's a good place to start. No, that's a great place to start. Yeah. <laughs> Gary, where can people find you? macmost.com macmost.com that's where you're gonna find yeah. absolutely <laughs> easy. you make it easy well that's the idea isn't it right they, you know we're yeah. not here to make it complicated to find us um, especially when you need help and that's kind of what we all do so it's been an absolute pleasure having you here Gary this has been uh, a long time in coming and I'm so happy we made it work if you maybe had Something to say, maybe three somethings to say to the audience, Gary. What what might those be? Don't get caught. Couldn't have said it better ourselves. Thanks again. Thanks Amazing. for listening. Thanks, Gary. See you next time. Thank you. Bye.